0: What have you got there, mate? Just a glass of wine.
1: Alright, right. How is it?
0: It's alright, I guess. I mean, obviously it's not really delicious like a pint from Beer 52.
1: Well, it's a good job that this episode of Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is sponsored by Beer 52, the world's
0: number one beer club. With Beer 52, you'll receive a case of beer every month featuring craft beers from all over the world, including Belgium, California, New Zealand and more. As well as getting
1: eight free beers, you'll also receive the award-winning magazine Ferment, as well as a couple
0: of different snacks. Perfect for a night in, or... An innocent picnic in the park. For the last time, it was a picnic. You couldn't see the snacks. We had two different types of snacks. Best of all, you can pause or cancel your membership at any time, so you
1: don't need to worry about the ombudsman coming to get you if you want to take a break from your membership.
0: So seriously, what are you waiting for? If you want to get started with a free case of beer, head to beer52.com forward slash peep to access your first case for free. Eight beers, Beer 52. Eight! That's insane. All you need to do is pay the £5.95 for postage. And don't worry if you're not a fan of dark beers, there is a light option available.
1: So that's beer52.com forward slash peep to get your first Beer 52 case for free.
0: Poor me. Poor me. pour me another glass from Beer 52. Cheers.
2: Hi, this is Liam Noble and you're listening to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs.
0: Well done, you. Hello, and welcome to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs, a podcast all about discussing and reviewing the British sitcom Peep Show. My name's Tom Harrison, and I'm joined as always by Rob Graham. Hello! And this week we're going to be discussing episode 3 of series 7, which is called A Beautiful Mind. How are you doing, Rob?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm good, thank you. I've had a bit of a, an odd week. I've been stuck in self-isolation, so we're recording this on the Tuesday before you're hearing it on the Saturday, and I, I'm just about to make my first bid for freedom in about a week and a half, so it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's a long time coming. I had a COVID test uh, over the weekend, which thankfully came back negative, but yeah, it's been a, a long and boring
0: uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, because this isn't the first time that you've had to isolate, was it?
1: No, I had to isolate back in August when we came back from a holiday. We had to uh, quarantine, but this is the first time I've had to do it as a result of being in contact with somebody who's tested positive. Um, so it's mm. been it's been alright. I've been doing a lot of a lot of Netflix. I've watched the entire series of Have you ever watched A League of Gentlemen? I haven't. No. I watched the entire series of that one once and a half times. So I I've not been very productive. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've still been working from home and
0: stuff. How about you? I'm good. Yeah, since uh, the our last recording, um, which actually was quite a little while ago, a week and a half ago, probably, um, well, I moved into the new house. So I'm recording from a new sort of office slash podcasting space, which hopefully will be making the most of when we can record together but like you say we're we're still recording remotely um and given we're in tier two at the moment i'm not quite sure when that's going to end but um hopefully if you will stick with us um and i hope that the quality is uh, is good enough i think it is it generally seems to hold up pretty well
1: yeah to be fair you're recording on a mic and um, i'm mine's the zoom quality so listening back to the episode we did before it didn't sound too bad
0: yeah jolly good uh right we we had a few uh, new patrons especially since we last recorded which was actually quite a little while ago now
1: yeah and i i listened back and i thought oh hang on there's been about four new patrons who probably think we've deliberately missed them off since since <laughs> we last did it but um yeah so a huge shout out to darren friedrichs robert horvath dave pink mike kavanagh trisha atenzia laurie johnson daniel thompson andrew mason doug simpson alex watson joel Johansson byberg John Fraser, Michael Collins, Toby Irving, John, uh, Tom Burton, Jessica and Joel Isler, uh, Tim Chamberlain, Jonathan Gardner, John C. Ralston, Joshua Herbertson, Peter Frost, Stuart Hill, Ash Krishna, Isaac Marley Morgan, John Barker, Dee Bizzle, Sarah McDaniel, Steve Morano, Olivia Kalmas Hoy, Nick Hetherington, Ashley Duffield, and Benjamin Price, who you snuck in just in time. You came through today, <laughs> Benjamin just before we started recording so uh there are 32 patrons we've got now so big shout out to everyone
0: big big shout out and if you're interested in joining that rather illustrious company um i will leave a link to our patron in the uh, episode description down below so feel free to check that out if you are interested so uh let's get the synopsis for a beautiful mind and then we'll head into some general thoughts and uh, i believe you've also collected some uh, listener and fan uh, thoughts as well haven't you rob I have, yeah. Cool. So here's the synopsis for A Beautiful Mind. In his continued effort to woo and impress Zara, Jeremy impulsively offers to host her book club at the flat. The only problem? He's only read one book, Mr. Nice, a story that you won't find doing the rounds in intellectual circles. Meanwhile, having beaten Gerard and starting to date Dobby, Mark's trying what he can to hold on to her. So discuss what your general thoughts
1: I really like this episode. I think it's a funny one because as we've gone through this series, at the beginning of Series 7, I sort of said to you, "Ah, I don't think it's that great. And then every time we watch an episode, every time we review it, I think, nah, this is a really good series. And I know you said last week, actually, Series 7 is up there with Series 4 for you for the quality. And I just, I think this is a really good episode. Really, really good episode. It's one of the few episodes, and I think this is something that our listeners have touched on, one of the few episodes where there's a happy ending. We had a happy ending, Mm. kind of, um, at the end of St. Hospitals. um, But this one has a happy ending sort of for both of the characters. Um, So, yeah, another solid episode. And another solid episode written by Simon Blackwell, which is, we always like to point out the ones that are are written by Simon as opposed to Sam and Jesse. Um, And, yeah, this is is one of his. And I think you can sort of tell, you can sort of tell his slight little differences that he makes um, and the way the monologues work is a big example of that.
0: Mm, yeah definitely and that, that's something that we have discussed before yeah i i think this is a really great episode and like you say we, we had some fan opinions last episode who said that series 7 was the start of a, a so-called decline but i actually i couldn't disagree more i think uh like you said um i i think series 7 is right up there amongst the very best and i think this series is going from strength to strength even the the episodes like this so that probably if you'd put them all, you know, wrote the titles down on paper, I would have picked these as the weaker ones. But actually, I, I laughed a lot watching this. And although, yeah, maybe the Jez and Zara stories is a little bit close to, you know, the Jez and Elena um, of last series. But I, th- I think there's there's just about enough to, to keep it fresh, um, a slight change in circumstances. And then, of course, seeing Mark in his relationship trying to do his damn hardest to learn from all his previous horrible experiences, um, and she had to try and prevent it blowing up in his face. Um, I think is yeah, it's just it's good kind of doing what Peep Show does well, doing it very well, and I I think, yeah, like you say, Simon Blackwell's done a really great job. He's really he really gets what Peep Show is.
1: Yeah, and I think it's you've hit the nail on the head there, and it's a good episode, like it's a good middle of the series episode. It's not a. It's not a finale. It's not an opener. It's a good, solid, fits the sequence of this series really, really well.
0: Yeah, completely. Shall we
1: have some listeners'
0: thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Far away.
1: So we've had a lot of feedback on this one. It was quite good to see. So Jace Rogers said uh, he wishes that more time had been spent on the book club discussing the books. There was a missed opportunity for more character-based humour for Jez, Zara and Ben to give their opinions on more aspects of that. Um, and also thinks that they could have seen more of Kenneth perhaps in the hands (laughs) and he's (laughs) uh, um, next to it of some of the book club just adding to Mark's embarrassment again missed opportunity on an otherwise solid episode Uh, Kyle Malcolm says it's not a love story it's a fucking fuck story which I'm uh, <laughs> which has been echoed several times in these, in these posts. Um, Tom Petty, Tom Petty. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, said he always wondered why Mark knows that the guy reading the online essay is his own. Like that Ben's reading the essays is as his, is his own. Uh, Gary Hogg says he thinks it's the only episode with an upbeat ending, which we touched on a minute ago. Um, Stephen John said it's a great and very funny episode, and like that had been mentioned on the thread, this is an episode where the rare ones that ends on a high note. Um, but what makes Ben go back? Sorry, what makes Mark go back and debate Ben at the end of the episode? Was it guilt for reneging on his deal with Jeremy, or the desire to prove himself in a debate in front of Dobby? Also, do you reckon this episode feeds directly into the Netherzone episode, i.e., the Netherzone episode takes place on the morning directly after the night of this one? which is an interesting question, which maybe we can we can talk about. And then there's several comments. Jake Bennett, Mike Alexander, um, Chris Taylor and Jago Corrie all talk about Kenneth being a, an incredible side character. I'm not sure side <laughs> character is quite the, <laughs> quite the right term. Uh, and uh, Jamie Atkinson, who we shout out all the time on here, says it's a solid episode from Simon Blackwell. Gail's return and the book club of fun. Uh, Dobby telling Mark it's okay when he loses his job shows why he's the one
0: so Mm. sorry shows why she's his one
1: and i do think that i was like dobby's lovely at this point
0: yeah super understanding particularly as mark is behaving you know pretty irrationally throughout the the last well this episode and the last one she seems to know like how to handle him
1: yeah absolutely and talking of being somebody's one or not being their one um at odd 85 on twitter said after the first two episodes of this season i don't think it's been discussed much that zara is the least jez's one than anyone the relationship is based on him pretending to be the complete opposite of what he is and chris roach then said in a way they're perfect for each other both massive fakers zara isn't clever at all if she was she'd have seen straight through jez's persona immediately also the fact that she thinks tony parsons is an elect is an intellectual speaks for itself
0: Yeah, I I think that's true, and I think that echoes to something that we have talked about before about Zara fits this mold of the girls that Jeremy um, attracts, and that's that they are ultimately, although while they may be good, like good-hearted, or they, you know, they're not all stupid by any means, but they are. They do have this sort of air of like they're gullible and they're naive, and I think she definitely plays into that certainly.
1: And she very much we don't really know what she does for work
0: do we no we don't see anything she seems to hang around a lot at ben's office
1: yeah absolutely and mm. i think you just think yeah you're you're creating this persona of oh i like to go out and see you. i like to go to the Tate modern i like to go and do all this thing and you're like you're creating this sort of like almost fake intellectual
0: yeah and there are some things throughout this episode that made me think oh, hang on a minute like i thought you were supposed to be like super highbrow and actually some of the things she's coming out with really aren't, despite that, yeah, yeah, she seems to be trying to play the role of the intellectual, and I don't think she's quite there.
1: And doesn't pick up at all on stuff that Jez clearly would know if he knew anything about French cinema or um, any of the other things that he lies to her about. He's not particularly subtle at not understanding. Like, hey. he doesn't make it particularly difficult for somebody to read that he is chatting out of his
0: backside. Mm, no, absolutely. Okay, well, if that wraps up our uh, listener opinions, shall we we get started then?
1: Let's go for it.
0: So we begin the episode in bed, post-sex, but it's not Jeremy's bed, it's Mark's. And he and Dobby have clearly just finished.
2: Sex over, now the smiling and staring. I think Dobby might be bored with me sexually. I'm vanilla. I should be not Neapolitan, that's too
0: 70s, but pistachio. Slightly unpleasant, but novel. Two, three lines in there, and there's already quite a bit to unpack. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: Uh, that slightly unpleasant, but novel. If you offered anybody um, sex and said... My, uh, my, uh, my MO is uh, that I'm slightly unpleasant, but it's novel. Like, What are you up to? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you're, you're right. Um, and we don't know how long this relationship has been going on. We don't know the gap between uh Manjam and then this episode. But if she's already bored of him in the bedroom after they've probably been together a month, maybe two months, that's maximum the gap between these two episodes. You do think, Mark, you're you're in this for the long haul, mate. If you're thinking she's not into you already, or at least not into you sexually, then you've got a you've got a, a, a big mountain to climb.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like, we know that Mark is you know, he's no sex god. Like we know and he knows that he is vanilla, you know, margarita, pizza, chicken tikka masala, whatever else it is that hands came out with. But the fact that he is worried already does seem to be noteworthy definitely um and at the end of last episode you know he he defeated Gerard he was on a bit of a high he'd got the date with her but he was already panicking about messing things up and you know he's staring at her we can see her face after their session or whatever you want to call it and she looks perfectly happy so do you think he is just you know being too paranoid I think he probably is, and I was just about to come back to that and say we've got to
1: remember this is Mark, who in the next episode makes a comment about how Jeremy's completely fine when he needs to be panicked, and I'm, like, extremely panicked when everything is basically okay. Like, he's just worried about something he doesn't need to be worried about. She's not said to him or expressed anything to our knowledge that would suggest that she's not into it. She looked perfectly content. (laughs)
0: <laughs> perfectly content. That's what you want after uh, after sleeping with your new girlfriend.
1: Well, she's not recoiling.
0: No, no, absolutely no. She's she's sort. Of, there's a smile on her face. Like I say, she look, she looks perfectly happy. Um, but I I do like that. It you know this uh the sex over like now the smiling and staring. I, I I like that a lot because it's it sort of acknowledges that slight awkwardness. You know when you you've slept with someone new or you know they're fairly new um it is a bit awkward afterwards because it's like what do you do what do you say you've not quite worked them out like in that sense yeah i i thought that was quite insightful
1: yeah and it's not a one night stand is it it's not like the times we see jeremy having sex where he basically just disappears afterwards um and we don't we only see mark have maybe one or two one night stands in the whole series so you You don't really see how Mark normally responds after having sex.
0: But um, Mark breaks the silence um, and he tells Dobby that he's going to book a nice country hotel for her birthday, um, which is nice. But Dobby's concerned that it might be a bit too much for Mark considering his current uh, work situation. Obviously, JLB collapsed and uh, he's working at the restaurant at the moment. Um, so she even actually goes as far to offer to pay for it herself, but uh, Mark's very adamant, you know, he's going to pay, he's, he says he's going to be the man, he's paying for everything, um, I might even carry you over the threshold, which um, I thought this is just Mark being, you know, he's trying to do that very traditional conventional thing here, which we know that's what he's all about, very much what he aspires to be. Um, but I, I like that he's, he's there doing and saying all the, you know, quote, right things, um, only to then have to follow up that sort of like nice gentlemanly gesture uh, by asking that, you know, yeah, but you've got to get us there. Can you drive?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It really surprises me. And I don't know whether we're reading too much into it and remember there's a fictional show and, and all of this, but it really surprises me that Mark hasn't got much money. Like, I know he's only working in a Mexican restaurant, but he's a bloke in his 30s who I would have thought would have saved. He is he is just like you, Tom. And I know how sensible you are with saving money. (laughs) Like, it really surprises me that he hasn't
0: got some sort of like nest
1: egg to fall back on.
0: Yeah, that's true. I would agree. And I would think that perhaps he's just like, you know, being ultra Careful, but I remember he got the he got the sofa on finance, didn't he? Because he's worried about who's gonna you know finish the the, the repayments. Um, who's gonna be prime minister when he's finished the repayments? So maybe he isn't as as moneyed as we thought. But I would agree. Yeah, I think he would have had he would have sat on his. Not that I don't think he has a nest egg, but he would be putting money away. You know, ten percent of his paycheck, or whatever, or at least would be going into some kind of like very secure savings account with a, a fixed interest rate. Um, that would seem very Mark. Um, whether he has that and he's just keeping it a secret, like we know he he does keep things to him himself. But yeah, I agree. It does seem a bit odd. Um, and
1: talking of Mark and money, the doorbell then rings and uh, Dobby goes to answer it. Mark then sort of has to follow her. When she realizes that it's somebody wanting to sell something at the door, so Mark goes over.
0: He's unemployed, Mark.
1: Right? Is he though? I'm pretty sure I saw this exposed on Rogue Traders.
2: Just trying to make a bit of honest money, really. Your neighbours have been very kind. So, uh, what what have you got? Um, Fluffy dusters, J cloths. Shit. Okay, don't choose the cheapest Um, in front of Dobby. So, not J cloths, not scourers. Fluffy dusters. I think they're relatively cheap. Or or oven gloves. Fluffy duster. Sure, mate. uh, They're eleven pound. They're what? 11 quid made of fibres. I'm being politely mugged.
1: Thanks. I'll go and make some coffee, Mr. Generous. I'd have just gone
2: for the J-cloths.
1: Um, and he does, I think, what What everybody does, even, <laughs> even if I wasn't doing this next to my wife, I think I would still be going, oh, I can't buy the cheapest thing. When you buy something from a charity, you go, I can't buy something. This is going to charity or this is going to 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 somebody who really needs this money and I've got money why am I going to be really stingy about it um <laughs> but mark completely does it to try and um make an impression on dobby and then just discovers that dobby doesn't care at all
0: no they're very much, yeah kindred spirits in in that in that sense like she seems to be just as cheap as, as he would he would like to have been um, but yeah, for her benefit, he goes over the top,
1: and he has a great line there where he just says, "Great, I've just wasted eleven pounds on four pounds worth of female approval." <laughs> and then, yeah, and then goes and then tries to pull the cloth, like but like pull the money back out of his hand. You just think, "What are you like?" I can sort of understand being irritated that you've been effectively conned on spending eleven pounds on something that's worth about three. But to then actually try and pull it out of the bloke's hand is just so irrational.
0: Well, yeah, but but this guy is such a bastard. I mean, like, the, the voice he puts on at the start, it's like he's bloody fresh out the cast of Oliver, where he's like, oh, I'm just trying to make it, you know, a bit of honest money, really. Like, your neighbours have been very kind. And then by the end of it, he's shoving Mark off and telling him to, like, fuck off. And it's like, yeah, this is... Mark had him pegged from the beginning where he's like, oh, I'm pretty sure I've seen this exposed as a scam, like on TV. And all of this is just made so much funnier by the fact that he's in like that
1: like purple t-shirt and nothing else.
0: Yeah, he's got no trousers on, hasn't he? It's brilliant. <laughs> so he's, he's left there with the, the fluffy duster and, you know, no trousers when he has he says something like, oh, things got a bit out of hand, but I handled handled it. He's like brandishing that feather duster like it's a weapon. <laughs> So we leave Mark stood in the hallway, trouserless, cl- clutching that fluffy duster, to arrive with Jeremy and Zara, who are just exiting a screening of Amelie. And Zara's asking him what he thought. Um, she has this suspicion that he'd perhaps fallen asleep at one point, but Jez, of course, would never admit to that. He tells her, you know, best film in the world. I uh, mean, enough to impress her, obviously.
1: But The things he comes out with that he likes about it are just... My like five year old nephew would be able to tell me the things like the colours, the the woman, the it was all great. <laughs> You're like, yeah, say what you see. Like you've you've not <laughs> noticed anything. I can't speak French, but I think I would probably understand more of Amelie than than Jes did.
0: <laughs> well, if you were conscious, then uh, yeah, I think most people could. But but Zara tells him that although it's French, you can pretty much follow it and understand everything that's happening um, just by. Uh, watching, which I'm not too... Sh- I've not watched Amelie, but I kind of thought, like, surely that can't be true. Um, but then, funnily enough, she follows up by sort of slating, like, otherwise popular cinema, She says it's, it's not this pre-digested Hollywood blockbuster crap, which made me think, okay, so hang on. So Amelie apparently isn't this pre-digested crap, but it's also apparently so easy to follow and almost predictable and formulaic that despite not even knowing the language someone will be able to follow it in its entirety
1: oh yeah i didn't even think about that yeah those things (laughs) are
0: completely at odds with each other that was sort of the first like we're talking i can't remember which of our, our lovely listeners made the point of that you know zara perhaps isn't quite what you know the intellectual that she makes out and i think statements like that you know, she directly contradicts herself within 10 seconds. I, it just it stood out to me.
1: It reminded me of Mark quite a lot. Like when Mark, at the beginning of series one, when he has this sort of shit on Peter Gabriel, when Valerie is slagging him off and Jeremy's
0: like, oh, that shit's trying to lure you in by entertaining you.
1: It's so shallow.
0: Yeah. But it, his, you know, his true feelings are so like thinly veiled in that moment. It's just like, yeah, that shit, like trying to entertain you. like.
1: <laughs> and that's what I meant at the beginning. Like he doesn't, cover himself particularly well he literally is lying with almost a smile on his face about most of this stuff and either zara fancies him and is just overlooking it or she is genuinely just too like dim-witted to notice that he is just pulling the wool over her eyes in the most pathetic way possible
0: Mm. No, uh, yeah, it's a it's a weird. Well, this is, this is the pattern, isn't it? With with Jeremy's girlfriends, he seems to know how to pick them. Definitely.
1: Yeah, and he he sort of goes for the jugular almost here, where he then goes on and starts saying, "It's
3: great, isn't it? How even though I'm an attractive guy and you're an attractive girl, we can just hang out like great mates." Yeah,
0: just because I'm going out with Ben, the shit doesn't mean that you and I can't be big buds. I mean, we have so many interests in common: foreign film, fringe theatre,
2: contemporary dance. Even those silver people in Covent Garden who stand really
0: still and pretend to be statues.
3: I adore enormously all of that. And you run that book group, don't you? Which is great because I love difficult literature.
0: Wow,
1: another tick. I think she doesn't pick up on, like, they have a completely then normal conversation where Ben, sorry, where Jeremy is trying to then dig more criticism towards Ben because he's then like, does Ben go? Um, and... I was like oh no he hates reading you just think that's another thing of Jeremy going oh I mean so many people just plod through life you know thinking the same stupid thoughts with their tiny predictable identical minds and you're like you're you're not being very subtle about how much you hate her boyfriend
0: considering he's also your boss. See, yeah he's just he's loving to pick holes in in Ben's character and sort of Constantly remind her that, you know, all those things that you're saying that Ben hates, like, remember, like, I love all of those things, even though obviously he doesn't, but, um... It's funny, you say about Jeremy's quote there about that, you know, everyone just plods through life thinking the same old things. And she then turns around and says, yeah, you know, most people just go around nodding to the last opinion they heard, don't they? And Jeremy just falling straight into that trap. It's just like, yeah, I agree. And he's just there like nodding his head.
1: (laughs) That is one of the best setups for a joke, I think, in the entire episode.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good, sharp writing there, and 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 credit to Simon Blackwell. I think he's he's very good at putting together those those just like really quick little jokes and and punchlines in there. I think I think it's brilliant. So they they've called over a cab. She hops in, and uh, we get another fantastic example of how Jeremy's sort of ignorance and lack of awareness, you know, works out in his favor. Um, when she says, "I'll, I'll see you tomorrow." add a man and she's like N- no you the man and she finds it hilarious she thinks it's some kind of like intellectual sort of ironic play on uh on words when actually it's just jeremy's ignorance passing off once again as this sort of like razor sharp wit
1: yeah and and jeremy doesn't understand why she thinks everything's funny she's just like he thinks he's just like oh i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so we skip forward um presumably to later on that afternoon that evening and uh, jeremy hans and mark are all sort of hanging out in the kitchen and he's come to let them know that he's uh, he's stopped putting all that poison shit into his body and his precious brain so he's he's cut everything from like you said in an earlier series, everything from the PCP to the lattes.
0: That's it, because we know that Hans has tried to go cold turkey once before, and I seem to remember it ending with him chasing a frisbee with some weed sellotape to it into the the countryside night, so that didn't go too well. So it's just like, how long is it going to last this time?
1: And we know how this ends, we know, not to be a spoiler, we know he arrives with a plank of wood and (laughs) threatens to smash Mark over the head in order to get some crack off him.
3: (laughs) Mark, I am... So in here...
2: is my pipe and my last rock. I want you to have it. I don't want it, it's illegal. I want you to keep it, please. It's symbolic. And if I come to you and ask for it, I want you to tell me no, okay? Okay. Even if I hit you hard with wood or grab your arm and bend it up behind your back till it snaps like a fucking Kit Kat. You still tell me no, right? With wood. Thanks, Mark. Legend.
0: I guess he just thinks that Mark's probably the most sensible person he knows. And I I guess that's it.
1: Yeah, we didn't touch on this too much at the beginning of this episode, but this is one of the best superhands scenes i think this is like peak superhands in the entire peep show like this this episode but this scene in particular for superhands is brilliant it's got so many good lines um and jeremy sort of asks him how he's getting on and uh hans just says yeah easy easy like a sontag morgan i'm cycling i'm running i am running, here i'm cooking i'm knitting knitting like a fucking electric nan did this scarf got two quilts on the go and then a sort of tabard and i'm just like i don't know whether it's just matt king's delivery but it's one of the few points where i like proper belly laughed at this episode
0: (laughs) yeah no matt king's just got a great delivery of of, you know that we talk about the writing a lot but yeah you need the actor who's going to be able to deliver those lines in in the right way. And Matt King certainly, you know, he's fully into superhands at this point. He's been doing it for seven series and he knows how to, you know, hit these lines out of the park.
1: And I think he's really good at making very funny lines, very throwaway. He does a very natural sort of throwaway line, which I think makes it that little
0: bit funnier. Yeah, he doesn't deliver them particularly as punchlines, does he? He just, he kind of, he just like channels the comedy really well he never he never forces a punchline i i think
1: well peak show's not a particularly punchline based show you get only get a few where you can sort of you can sort of um see the punchline coming or there is an actual joke like the end of that last scene where jeremy does that i agree you're like you you know that's coming you can mm. you can telegraph that that joke's coming but there aren't many punchlines and i think that's why Matt King's delivery of these is just um, brilliant. And he carries on. He asks um, Jeremy, he's like, You got any olives? I'm, I'm fucking mental for olives. I'm, I'm craving the salt and I just, I just keep on, I'm reading the script and I'm laughing as I'm reading it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So he tells Mark that while he's craving the salt, he's not just going to go and neck some from the shaker. So he decides he's going to go and run to get some as he seems to have picked up this, you know, exercises. He's replaced one addiction with, well, it's seemingly like about five uh, new addictions. Um, so he sets his watch and bomb out the, out the door. He goes, um, and will pick up with superhands quite a bit later um, as he goes very far on his journey. But with the two of them, uh, Mark and Jez, left alone, uh, Mark decides to confide in Jeremy um, and sort of reveal, you know, these concerns. I'm worried that I, I might not be... What? L- look, you know the
3: actual... the. Act of intercourse. Oh, my God, you're asking me for sex tips. Pass me that carver and the big pack of Tyrrells. It's a girl's night in. What would you say was the average amount of time before the man... Unleashes
2: hell. Yes, I I want the average amount of time, the mean. No, no, the mode or, or
3: median. Sting's probably thrown the mean out for everyone else. Well, it depends, Mark. It often depends on, you know, where you are if you get me. No, no,
2: I I don't wanna hear about the bum, Jeremy. I I know for you, it all revolves around the bum. You're like the
3: Copernicus of the anus. You've got to know about the bum, Mark. Otherwise it's like only cooking with the hob and never using the oven. The bum is the secret portal. It's
2: not much of a secret
3: though, is
0: it, Jeremy? Be honest, the bum is quite, if you'll pardon the image, an open secret. I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, these guys have been best mates for, we can presume a good 10, 15 years at this point. And I know that Mark's obviously so sort of bottled up and sexually repressed, you know, he doesn't talk about these things. But it, it did surprise me a bit that they they haven't had this conversation sooner.
1: It also surprises me that Jeremy has got like if you ask somebody for sex advice, then you expect maybe. And I've never asked him for sex advice, but like that you get <laughs> that you get a little bit more than just stick it up the bum. <laughs> like that's not what Mark's after. Mark's trying to find some way of sort of reinvigorating their sex life a bit. And Jeremy's only advice is ah, oh, try anal.
0: Well, you you touched on it. So Jeremy doesn't answer Mark's question. So I thought I would head to the internet and get an answer for Mark. So as a fun extra, would you would you care? I know it's my quiz week, but I'll, I'll put, you know put this to you now. What would you say is the average time for the as Mark would put it, the, the act of intercourse. Would you care to have a guess?
1: The average time. Okay. Um, I bet this is going to be lower than I think. I'm going to say... 11 minutes.
0: Oh, is much lower than you thought. So okay. According to a study, so I, I wanted to do this properly, so I looked at a few different websites. Not, not those kind of websites, but, you know, academic websites. Um, And according to a study that was quoted in a few different places, the average session lasts five minutes and 24 seconds. That's 5.4 minutes. So Mark doesn't really have that long to aim for, to be honest. Like, that seems very achievable. Um, Although the study also claims that this is perceived to be adequate. So five to seven minutes qualifies as adequate sex, while seven to 13 minutes is uh, what people apparently refer to as desirable,
1: and we don't really know. I suppose Mark's if if Mark's worry is that she's finding him a bit vanilla,
0: but he's also worried about his stamina, Then maybe he has got a bit of a problem. Well, we know that Mark and Sophie went to that uh, couples counselling, and Sophie expressed her, if I put it delicately, her sort of disappointment as to you know Mark's hastiness. So it does it does seem to be a bit of a problem. Although like you say, like Dobby hasn't expressed any you know I'm not sure if you maybe would that early on, but she seems perfectly happy. Yeah. Um
1: but <laughs> Mark um then reveals as people touched on at the beginning of the episode uh one of the best side characters that we uh that we meet in the in the run of the show and Mark takes Jeremy through and reveals It's a dildo.
2: I've bought a big dildo. How big is it? Nine inches. It's a nine-incher. Thought it might spice things up. Trouble is, I, I find it quite intimidating. As a man, I mean, look at it. It's like a leg of lamb. So I've decided to call it Kenneth, to take the curse off. Kenneth? Yes. My colleague, Kenneth. Shall I fetch Kenneth? Meet my sexual associate, Kenneth. Makes him less daunting.
3: And has Kenneth scene action?
2: No. I mean, it might be the sexiest thing ever or or it might be a massive disaster. Dobby might hate it. So, for now, you stay at Bryce Norton, Kenneth. I don't
0: think you're ready to enter Hellmand yet. I love Jeremy's face. Like, when that drawer opens and he just looks down and then looks up and it's just like, blimey. It's just (laughs) like... It's like, yes, blimey. Like, I never thought we would see Mark buy a dildo. Just like, well, 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 what do we make of this purchase, basically?
1: Well, if Mark was going to buy a dildo, and obviously he has, then that is exactly the sort It's such a, um, like a, um, what's the word? Like, biologically correct dildo. Like it's so veiny. Like it's such like a, like a. It doesn't. It's not like it's literally just like a flesh coloured. I mean, it is huge. Like it is massive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't really know what I make of this purchase. Somebody on our one of our social channels did say they found it really like out of character for Mark to buy a dildo. like, even for him, that seems quite like a weird and unlikely thing for him to buy.
0: Yeah, I I think so as well. But it it is a a sort of a, a, you know, it is a solution to what we think is his problem, though, which is perhaps, you know, he doesn't quite, he's not lasting long enough. So that's... Certainly one way of dealing with that is offering an alternative.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what to make of it, really. I think it takes quite uh, big balls, if you pardon the pun, to uh, buy a dildo for your girlfriend who you've only been with for a couple of months. Like It seems like quite a bold move from
0: Mark. Yeah, well, for me, I think he says that he's unsure about, you know, Dobby knowing about it yet, because like you say, still very early days but he's made so little effort to hide it. Like, he's just put it in his sock drawer, but, like, on the top of the socks. Like, it's it's almost, like, laying there as if, like, on a, a velvet pillow. And we've already seen that she has well worn his dressing gown, so it would just be so easy for her to, like, oh, I'm just going to borrow a pair of socks, like, if she stayed over. And to then just open the the drawer, and there it is resting at the top like if he doesn't tell her now and she then just finds it in his drawer like what is she gonna think yeah i
1: think at least he acknowledges that it might be the sexiest thing ever or it might be a disaster like he does acknowledge that dobby might not like it
0: but um yeah i mean what a purchase for for mark and um i guess we're gonna find out a bit more about kenneth later but um the two of them then proceed to head out to work, which I think, you know, I don't think we've ever seen that before where they've, they've both got jobs and they're, they're heading out. Something that would be is so ordinary seeming actually kind of like stood out to me quite a lot.
3: So is your work still good, bad? Does he like it there now? I've forgotten, you know. I despise every second of it. Tell Gail she's exploiting you.
2: But then she'll fire me. I don't want to be unemployed. I've got a girlfriend to impress.
3: Christ, smart. you really need to grow a pair
2: of testicles yes you want me to grow a pair of testicles so I'd have four testicles and somehow that'll help make me braver and better able to deal with stress staggering around like a baboon with four balls hanging down
3: look Gail's fucking you over because you're so
2: bloody passive you need to rip her a new one a new anus so she'd have two anuses and then in this mad new world of yours I'd presumably shove my four bollocks up her two
0: anuses for some unknown reason I just thought we're so peak david mitchell here
1: i really enjoyed the fact that when you texted me about this scene earlier you referred to it as Michelian. and i was like that needs to be coined as a (laughs) um as a as a comedy type it is absolutely like breaking apart somebody's um somebody's attempt at just a a throwaway remark by absolutely tearing it to shreds (laughs) is incredible
0: yeah he's very much yeah like his his frustrations really do just spill out in this moment. And he, he kind of takes it out on Jeremy, who's got he's got nothing to do with this situation, but he just had a little, he prodded the bear a bit. And so he gets a bit grizzly. And I just thought, <laughs> yeah, this is, I, I can imagine David Mitchell, you know, having a rant like this on Would I Lie to You or one of his other panel shows. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think we talked about with David Mitchell in the interview, there are some times where, mark and mark and david just overlap so beautifully and i think you're absolutely right that's definitely one of those moments
0: support for podcast secrets of the pharaohs is brought to you by manscaped the best in men's below the waist grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels and manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 all across europe you heard that right the 4.0 Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. So, why do you need Manscaped's Lawnmower 4.0? Well, we've all got our own nightmare grooming stories about shaving our nether regions. Whether it's Nick's cuts and grazes or an unfortunate tale involving hair removal cream, it can seem like you're always a moment away from disaster. Not with the Lawnmower 4.0 after using it myself, it really does make a massive difference. It's quick, easy to use, and most importantly, I felt safe while using it. With the Lawn 4.0, Manscaped have engineered the ultimate groin trimmer, with their advanced skin safe technology making you confident to shave your boys. So if you're like Mark and are worried about your testicles looking abnormal, the Lorma 4.0 can give you the confidence to do something about it and make your balls feel like a million dollars. So go on, start shaving your testicles like it's the most natural thing in the world and get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PEEP. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. So we skip forward
1: like maybe... Ten seconds 20 seconds not far jeremy's at work um, ben then appears and is sort of chatting away to jez and he's 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 implying that sort of he's servicing jeremy's servicing her intellectual needs and and he's servicing her physical side uh, um and uh I mean, it is kind of true. I mean, Ben's a massive shit, but he has kind of hit the nail on the head. Yeah, and
0: I think Ben knows exactly what he's doing here. Like, he's clearly suspicious that Jeremy fancies Zara, which we get, you know, full confirmation of later. But And and he does in this instance, he goes as far as asking him outright, but he's just winding him up here. Like... It is odd that Jeremy and Zara spend so much time with each other. Jeremy conveniently loves everything that she loves. And while she can't see all these signs, Ben can. And so he's right to be suspicious. So he's kind of then torturing Jeremy by like dangling her in front of him. And, you know, telling him that, oh, yeah, mate, you can go to all the art shows you like. But all that means is that actually I don't have to go. She comes back in a great mood and then... I actually reap the rewards of all your work. And it's just like, yeah, he's a shit, which fully, the amount of times he's referred to as a shit in this episode, like I lost count, but he's a shit who's kind of, he's living the shit's dream.
1: Yeah, and we touched on this last week where I said, actually, Ben is, he's got a bit of charm about him and confidence, and confidence goes a long way. But he just undoes so much of any of his potential likability by just grabbing Jez's face and completely rubbing his nose in it. And he comes out with this line where he says something about, I'm not going to go into detail with what we got up to, but let's just say it wasn't a long great game of Scrabble. Your glands isn't red raw after a long game of Scrabble. And he knows that Jez fancies her. And Jez knows that he knows that Jez fancies her. And they both know exactly what's happening in this conversation. And Jeremy sort of, I know what you're doing. And the only way that I can stop this happening is to admit that I fancy Zara. And before he gets the chance to even say anything, Ben's like, you don't fancy her, do you, Jez? Because it'd be an extremely huge problem if you did. And you just think, yeah, I'm not sure where you're going with this, Jeremy, but um you're not you're not like you're not winning here because you can't you can't sleep with her without potentially losing your job, and you've acknowledged that this job is the best job that you've ever had and are probably ever going to get,
0: yeah, and that's and Ben makes that job all the sweeter by you know then proceeding to give him sort of you know more responsibility, gives him a little pay rise, which I thought you know ben Ben seems to be doing that you know, keep your enemies closer type thing here by just making him you know he's keeping him loyal by keeping him on the, the the payroll and knows that yeah jeremy can't especially like as we we've known jeremy longer than uh, ben has like jeremy's never gonna get a job better than this so he should just do everything he can to hold on to it and actually like is zara worth it for for that like we, we don't think she's as compatible with Jeremy. Like Jeremy has to is, essentially reinvent himself to appease her and he's still not getting anywhere. So it, for, for me, it's just not worth it at all.
1: And at least at the end of this scene, he acknowledges that he's. he says, Jesus Christ, I'm so out of my depth. Who's Richard Avedon? What's a symposium? <laughs> at least I know which day Friday is. That's something to cling <laughs> on to. And you just think, yeah, is it all worth it? Jeremy's just thinking with his dick, like he does most of the time. But he's having to concede so much, at least with with um, Elena. There wasn't really much to their relationship other than the physical side of it. So he didn't really have to pretend to be somebody that he's not. And everybody, to a certain extent, and we touched on this either last week or the week before, we've touched on how everybody slightly alters the way they behave in their personality for their partner because that's just part of like compromise and 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 developing as a person because of the person you're with but jeremy goes through like these personality transplants with the various people that he meets in order to suit their needs it's really really bizarre and almost just quite sad that he isn't confident enough in his own personality or hasn't got enough about his personality to actually attract somebody of the level that he feels he deserves to attract
0: wow right cutting him down raw there <laughs> that's getting deep but yeah no i think i've had a lot of time to think <laughs> yeah about but it. i think you're absolutely right yeah and i think that that's ultimately kind of what you know it's one of the key ingredients to, to peep show really isn't it um So we we leave Jeremy uh, at his work and jump over to join Mark at his. And um, he's decided to take Jeremy's advice, grow those extra testicles, and he he goes to ask Gail for that time off. And I thought, like, Gail isn't in this episode for very long, but, wow, like, Mark wasn't kidding when he says that she hates him now because she is just so incredibly rude to him.
1: (laughs) I think that kind of that is just part of her personality, though. She... She didn't like him much before. If you think when she came round and they had that conversation whilst Jez and Elena were off um, getting busy and he was talking to her about like working in a Mexican restaurant, she wasn't particularly forthcoming then. I think it might just be this sort of standoffish, slightly socially awkward personality that she has. And I think, obviously, the fact that Jez slept with her fiancé and then tried to, or didn't try to run her over, but nearly ran her over, isn't going to um, endear Mark
0: to her either. So yeah, it cut down to size completely. He, he leaves the kitchen uh, with, with a couple, few dishes for some customers, when lo and behold, who would his customer be? It's the rogue trader from earlier. I never ordered this. I
2: think you did. Uh, burritos Deluxe. No, Burritos Mexicano with Jalapeno sauce. Do I know you? No. Um, oh, uh, Right, yes, I'm afraid my colleague who took your order must have made a mistake, so... Don't blame her. For fuck's sake, man up. You're the one who brought the wrong food. True, but but I was only following orders. Like Vince Cable.
1: Don't blame a woman, you piece of fucking dirt. Now fuck off back to that kitchen and get me what you should have done the first time. Mug. And I use, I've worked in in um, like a catering type industry, and you get those sort of people who are just dickheads to you just to sort of show off to the people near them.
0: And it's just horrible. Yeah, I, this is exactly why I couldn't work in that sort of, like, hospitality kind of environment. So to all you you know, you people out there who do, like, I salute you because just, like, bloody hell, like, this guy is an asshole. From, like, he doesn't even... Like, he just comes out the gate, like, swinging at Mark and swearing and shouting. And you just think, like, whoa, like... And I know Mark probably shouldn't throw his colleague under the bus, but the point is valid. Like, Mark just brought the dish out. Like, he didn't take the order. There's clearly been a mix-up. But, like, calm down. Like, it's only Bandito's. Like, it's not fucking, like, Michelin-star restaurant here. Like, just cut the guy a bit of slack. But you don't blame, you don't blame your colleague. No, you don't, which is, yeah, that is true. But I, I also think, yeah, Mark, I mean, Mark was never going to be particularly good at, like, the customer service, is he?
1: And he reacts to one bad criticism, albeit one from this bloke, by basically then going into the kitchen and pissing in his sauce. No, well,
0: in the in the uh, jalapeno sauce. But one thing that I, I really liked about, that we talk about Simon Blackwell in the writing here um but this guy refers it to it as the jalapeno sauce which i just thought was a great little cherry on the top of this guy's character because it's just like that another like i don't know the sort of the
1: lack of sophistication yeah and
0: the the arrogant sort of like
1: yeah he's the do you do chips poor <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that <laughs> um so yeah mark goes in and uh for the second time in the history of Peep Show, goes to start pissing in somebody's desk.
0: Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, Mark seems to like this form of revenge, doesn't he? He loves pissing in something. (laughs) Yeah, Okay. yeah, not the second time he's pissed in somebody's desk.
1: The second time he's pissed on somebody else's (laughs) um,
0: belongings or food
1: or whatever. Um, But he doesn't actually get the chance to start pissing before Gail comes in.
0: So um, yeah, fresh from that sacking, Mark heads home and, and and tells Jez the news. But of course, now he's worried that he's also going to lose Dobby because you know he was worried that he you know the uh, the fancy hotel uh, in the country might not have been affordable with his um, with his waiter salary. But now if he has if he's lost all his income, you know where does he go from here? And uh, and Jeremy tries to pick him up, bless him, by sort of regurgitating some of the the nonsense that Zara's come up with. And I think this was the second point for me where it was like, yeah, actually Zara, this is just, this is all kind of like pop pseudo psychology stuff. When Jeremy says like Zara says, like the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. It's clever, clever saying, isn't it? And it's like, is it really? No, that's just, that's the sort of thing that you, you see written on t-shirts and on Instagram, instagram memes and stuff like it's just this isn't that's not insightful
1: it's one step up from the children are our future that elena
0: comes yeah up with. exactly that yeah and and mark's just in no mood for it <laughs> like he's lost his job so he just starts listing all these horrible things this <laughs> is like actually that point is a load of bullshit and what about losing all your money
2: or shitting yourself in public or the tabloid press mistakenly outing you as a pedo or Alzheimer's, or all of those things, plus you're drowning. It's a clever saying, though, isn't it? Oh, Jesus, you're in love with Zara, aren't you?
1: He tries to, like, vehemently deny, um, but admits that he says, I'm in love with her. I'm in love with her mind. I fancy Zara's mind, um, which is a pure, modest and beautiful love, but then ruins that quite philosophical remark that he made by saying... I'm then gonna have a wank watch with
0: Skype. Well, we we know this can't be a love of her mind because you know all the things that Zara likes, Jez hates. Like they have nothing in common. So this is purely a. We know from the first moment he saw her that he fancied her. This is what it is. It is a. Oh, it, it's not. It's not a love story. It's a fucking fuck story, isn't it? Like it's about animal lusts, and that is that kind of is what Jeremy is uh, towards Zara. So that's just bullshit through and through but he's having to
1: lie to everybody including his best friend to justify the way that he, he's not even admitting it to mark that he that he's in love with her <laughs> at least in the way that he is or the way that he lusts after her. i don't think he loves her
0: no and yeah and mark can see right through that i think and he makes that he's quite right to point out that you know you've just basically been through this with elena so like do you really want to go down that road again which you know Perfectly valid point, not that Jeremy's going to heed that advice for one moment.
1: No, and like like Mark says in the next episode in Netherzone, he says, you and your wicked women.
0: <laughs> but at that moment, Jerry gets a, a phone call from Superhands and, you know, it's been a while since we last caught up with him. And that's because he's bloody not stopped since he, uh, he left to run for the shops, but he's not actually run to the shop at all. He's gone all the way to bloody Windsor.
1: Which is quite the trick. I'm sure it's like marathon length. I'm sure it's like the guys over at Dobby Club were trying to organise um, like a charity run to Windsor from from Croydon. And I'm sure that uh, Giles from Dobby Club calculated as being like 26.8 miles or something.
0: But Jeremy says like, oh, what that's in like Scotland or something, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, and he's not particularly sympathetic with we obviously can see hands which jeremy can't but hands looks in a bad way like he's lying almost almost horizontal on on the pavement like propped up against a wall he's not in a in a good way and he says like i can't feel my legs i'm paralyzed like my legs are gone and jez basically says i'll oh, just find some polythene and pull it over yourself and lie on a bit of waste ground and you'll feel fine in the morning <laughs> i suppose jeremy can't Jeremy hasn't got a car, so it's not like he can go and collect him. I'm not really sure
0: what he wants Jez to do. Jess has got a the car. They went to Epsom, didn't they? I suppose maybe even if he did have the car, like if Jeremy thinks he's all the way in um, Scotland, he probably thinks, oh, well, I'm not driving like 10 hours to go and get him.
1: Yeah, completely. Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> and also, Jeremy just doesn't care. Like, even if he was around the corner, he probably wouldn't go and get him. Um, so we skip forward maybe to the next day we're not really sure when the next scene takes place but jeremy and zara in a bookshop so yet another um string to jeremy's um made up bow that he's trying to play
0: zara with so she returns with a book and uh she says how she loves magic realism which is a, a literary sort of genre that is pretty much what it says on the tin um that sort of fiction set in a a realistic world but there's some sort of magical or fantastical element which to me was then my third flag because to me that doesn't really seem to be in keeping with her you know highbrow stuff that she normally goes on about you know to me magic realism the first thing I thought of was like Twilight which is what she would probably call Hollywood pre-digested crap and yet here she is you know saying it's one of her favorites and it just that stood out to me as well as being odd
1: yeah very very true and so they move on to start talking about jeremy's favorite book um and jeremy says he decides that he's going to use it as a, a very weak metaphor for the way that he feels <laughs> about zara
3: i've been reading a very brilliant novel lately yeah yeah it's about a man and a woman uh, it's not set here it's set out in Iran and the woman she's with someone else who is the man's um not boss but his baseball coach yeah and he really wants to stay in the baseball team the man but he also really wants to get together with the attractive woman it's a great book what's it called baseball man
1: so they go back to talking about uh the the book group that zara that zara has and they realize that they've got a member missing and that they can't host it at at zara's house because because ben's holding the poker game i don't know why ben we never see ben's house do we we never see where Ben lives. Um, but so it surprised me that he can't host the poker game. She's got quite a nice place in fairness. So it might just be trying to find somewhere a bit nicer, but that's irrelevant because Jeremy basically says, oh, I'll have the book group at mine. I'll fill in
0: for Paul and I'll read the book nice and quickly. Yeah. This is so Jeremy trying to host this book group. It just got me thinking that, you know, nothing has happened yet between these two. And I know that he gets there eventually, but it, I just thought, you know, is this the most effort that Jeremy's put into a woman to, like, win her over? Because he's been lying his ass off for days and weeks, you know, for this is three episodes now. It, it seems like longer. But going to all these things, he goes to these symposiums and museums and foreign film screenings. Just, like, all these things he secretly hates, but he does to impress her. Like, do you think ultimately... I guess it goes back to like, is Zara worth it? Because clearly, this relationship won't last very long. When he finally does get there, because like, how can he maintain this for for the rest of his life? Like, he has he has all the same flaws that Ben has,
1: and also he's able to create this personality for himself because Zara doesn't know him, and he obviously realizes he's got the the benefit of hindsight, knowing that Zara doesn't like the the drugs and the whatever else that Ben's into Jeremy's able to mold this character for himself that means she gets all the good bits that she likes without all the bad bits that Jeremy actually entails but you're right long term (laughs) suck and fuck is not a long
0: term (laughs) um it's not a long term plan really is it no not at all well and speaking of Back and suck we go back to the flat and arrive uh, back in Mark's bed with Dobby, and uh, he's wondering whether to invite his colleague Kenneth to to join them, and um, just as he's about to to go and put uh, get a condom from quote Kenneth's lair, uh, Dobby receives a text, uh, which tells her, and we didn't mention this earlier, but there was a brief reference to to Simon earlier where we found out that his his mother was ill. Uh, But now it turns out that she's died and she quite quickly, you know, jumps out of bed, you know, starts getting dressed, even though they were about to, you know, get into the throes of passion. But she she's already, you know, she's half out the door, practically. Um, And she asks whether it's okay if she goes. But I mean, she's kind of already decided at this point.
1: Yeah. And it's a strange one because they've been separated. Her and Simon have obviously been broken up for a little while, at least a few months if her and if we're working on the basis that her and Mark have probably been together a few months. If you were fairly cordial, which they clearly are, maybe slightly more than cordial, um, you maybe would go over and check he was alright, because to all intents and purposes, Dobby doesn't think that Mark has a problem with the fact that she sees so much of her ex boyfriend. So why would you be worried about that? She hasn't really got to the nitty-gritty of how paranoid Mark is about it
0: yeah I I don't know it's a funny one I just I don't know I think it's still it's very fresh still I mean it, it may be a couple of months in with with Mark and Dobby I get the impression that it's not very long and I just think when you're trying to put you know you should be putting in the effort with your new partner and to then be like to drop everything and it's not like I could understand it a bit more if they were you know, it was just a Saturday afternoon or whatever, and they weren't doing anything. But they were clearly spending some kind of romantic evening together. They were just about to uh, partake in the act of intercourse, as Mark would probably put it. I just, I found that very odd that she would then drop it all. I don't know. I just found it odd. Don't quite sit right with me.
1: I mean, yeah would you necessarily be the first person or would she necessarily be the first person that he would contact to let her know? But if that's the person that until recently you've had a deep emotional connection with, and she's been with you through other things, then maybe, maybe it would be the first person that you, that you would go to. He's not doing it. I wouldn't imagine he's doing it as a ploy to try and get her to come back over. I doubt you're particularly thinking about that as you're finding out your mum's died. And, Dobby does kind of acknowledge it in the next scene or the next scene that she's in where Mark is trying to make an overplay and saying, right, we're taking, we're going away, we're doing all of this. And and Dobby just says, I'm not going to jump back into bed with Simon. Like she acknowledges the fact that Mark is paranoid about what her and her and Simon's relationship still is or isn't.
0: Yeah, I think in that sense, she then she recovers very well, definitely. And I think she's she then does like understand, you know, <laughs> that Mark is kind of a, a, a bit of a wreck when it comes to these kind of things, and he needs a lot of like hand holding to get him through it. Um, but f- for me, not 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 so sure at this moment.
1: No, I can see what you're saying, um, but we move forward. Uh, well, as Dobby leaves, Jeremy's just coming home, um, and Mark goes in and sees that he's he's reading or attempting to read. Um, Wuthering Heights and Mark just says you're going to read a book you hate reading um, and Jeremy reveals why he's he's trying to do it um, and then later on in the living room Mark goes through to check how he's getting on with it.
3: How's the book going? Enjoying it? I look at it I read the words or think I do but then I get distracted or I don't quite take it in and I have to go back I've been on the same four pages for three hours. I see. Mark how do you read? Can you teach me to read? You want me to teach you to read? Yes. I mean, not literally, but how do you concentrate? Please tell me. Well, turn the telly off for a start. Oh, turn the telly off. Everything bad starts with turn the telly <laughs> off.
1: I've not read Wuthering Heights, but I can't imagine it's that hard to read. Well,
0: I think it's it's like when Mark then goes to... <laughs> Jeremy asks Mark to teach him to read and they they sit through that and he can't even focus on a paragraph. I just think the very act of reading itself, he ends up just staring at that page. I, I don't even think it's an issue of like understanding, you know, the, the the elements of the book and the. I don't think it's like particularly that it's too dense or anything. I think he, he literally just has a problem with sitting down and focusing on something that isn't, I guess to go back to Zara's point earlier, that isn't this pre digested stuff that you know jeremy's probably just used to having you know tv that just like washes over him and he takes it in but to have to sit down and actually think and engage with something like that much to put the effort in to visualize it all in his head and and things like that seems to be a step too far yeah and he acknowledges that he says
1: like it's it's a story that's being told by a man and then a lady and then no one like why can't I just read something simple like Mr. Nice? Have you ever read Wuthering Heights? I haven't, no. No, I've seen the film, but I've never I've never read the book. And probably shouldn't be admitting to that. Like, it's a classic book that <laughs> I think most people have probably read.
0: So, yeah, clearly getting nowhere. Jeremy decides the the best thing to do is to banish himself to the balcony where the cold will force him to focus and he'll only come in once he's read the entire thing. Which uh, doesn't go well at all because we, you know, one jingle later in half a second and we find Jeremy climbing into the bottom of Mark's bed and he's begging him to take his place.
1: This scene is brilliant. (laughs) Jeremy gets back in. He gets into bed with Mark. He doesn't like he doesn't stand at the end of the bed. He gets into the bed and just pulls the duvets and you just see like Mark's little feet sticking out of the end and he's just like
3: I can't do it Mark it's 372 pages long and I'm freezing my legs so what I was thinking was could you read it for me the stupid olden days book please I'm not staying up all night reading Wuthering Heights please I'll do the washing up every day until I die and then my children will do the washing up after that look I'm broke and, and you're relatively moneyed so are we doing a deal? A grubby
2: deal. I'll read the book. I'll look at some online criticism, but for a
1: price. Does it not surprise you that Mark hasn't read it?
0: Um, I don't know. It's, it was funny you said earlier. Like, I'm sure a lot of people have read Withering Heights. I I think it's it's one of those that I think yeah a lot of people think they probably should have, but um I bet if you ask most people that I bet they haven't.
1: I'd imagine a lot of people might have read it for like GCSE.
0: Yeah, I can imagine it, it could be one of those things that goes round that's sort of like Of Mice and Men and Pride and Prejudice, that sort of thing. But I think outside of that context, like those olden days books, as Jeremy puts it, I'm not, I'm not so sure. But yeah, maybe... maybe. To be honest, Mark likes reading more... He, he reads like historical, you know, biographies and things, doesn't he? And we know he likes a good spy novel as well, actually. Yeah, very true. So yeah, so Jeremy asks Mark to, to read this book for him, but I, I wondered, I don't really understand what the plan is because if Mark reads the book, like, it's no good if Mark comes out with all the cleverness at the book club because, you know, that, I mean, and that this is what happens at the end. Like, Mark impresses Zara quite a lot, but it doesn't make Jeremy look particularly good. It, I guess it just kind of... It, it puts Ben down, doesn't it? I guess that, that's all it is. I guess that's all that matters, is that Ben the shit is embarrassed.
1: And all that Mark presumably would do is just give Jez a synopsis of what happens in Wuthering Heights, which Jez could do if he just Googled a synopsis of Wuthering Heights.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, because Mark says, I'll look at some online criticism. And, like, Jeremy hasn't even thought to do that, like to cheat his way through there.
1: I'd struggle to read a three hundred and seventy two page book in a day. Like what he's even proposing to to Mark is ridiculous. Like, read this for me overnight is ridiculous.
0: And you're you're coming to me in the middle of the night and be like, here, read it. Yeah, kind of taking the piss, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, so we then skip forward to that night, so the following night. Um so Mark's still planning on this birthday weekend with the complimentary shower caps and proper cavity airs and Dobby's basically saying like you can't afford to do it Mark like stop being stupid and like I touched on earlier Dobby's realizing that Mark's trying to do it to try and assert his dominance assert his sort of not authority but in assert his role as the sort of the man in the relationship and and all of this sort of stuff and she basically says stop it like I'm not gonna Jump back into bed with Simon. Stop waiting for this to blow up because it's not going to unless you detonate your mad paranoid bomb vest. Like unless you act like a paranoid dick, like you're currently acting, nothing's going to go wrong. I'm into you, and makes it clear that she's into him by basically saying, "Right, let's let's ditch this lot and go back to my place um, and sort of make up for what we missed out on the other night."
0: Yeah, I, I think Dobby's very good at just she sees mark for what he is and knows when to just cut through his nonsense and be like look you just need to chill out and she just tells it how it is and i think that does mark quite a lot of good in in quite a few instances
1: yeah because she's so like him and like she reads exactly what he's thinking when she says like you need we need to go to bed like you need to go to bed and he's like oh i am actually quite tired and that look that she just shoots him is come on more on keeper okay. but i'm clearly <laughs> yeah. i'm clearly insinuating something here and it is such a shame and i know we're jumping forward it is a shame that like mark and dobby don't really work out because these early stages of their relationship are really nice and are really like mark seems happy in himself dobby seems relatively like normal and everything seems to be going quite swimming and i know because of the nature of peep show it can't carry on like this it simply just doesn't fit the the trajectory of the show but it is it is sad that it ends up on quite a sour sort of ending
0: yeah i mean dobby right now is just she's peak the one isn't she she's giving us all the right signals
1: yeah and i think watching it because obviously there was a gap before we saw when it ended badly i think you sort of think oh yeah actually she's a really nice character and then at the end of series um eight in the beginning of series nine you do sort of go how did we ever think she was the one for mark she's so not the one
0: <laughs> uh it's a funny one she she changes quite a lot there's a there's a there's one point i can't remember which episode it is but i remember when she she starts talking about wanting to go interrailing and stuff and then suddenly all and she she doesn't want to watch the box sets anymore and sit on the soap and then she suddenly she shifts very much away from all the things that mark likes and mark won't change but she does and she just very much leaves him behind which is which is yeah very sad
1: but at this stage at least we can sort of make the most of how <laughs> um how happy mark seems to be um and so they they go to disappear and jeremy comes in and says oh they're ready for you mark like we're ready to start the book group and mark Mark's thinking with his dick mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe not thinking with his dick and just thinking with his heart and he just says no I'm going like sorry I've I've got other plans with Dobby um, and Jeremy says no Mark we, we made a deal, a grubby deal you've got to come in and you've got to save me here I haven't read the book and Mark sort of goes Meh, and, and goes to make for the exit and Jeremy walks back into the, the front room and Zara says, like, right, come on then, let's start. We'll, we'll start. Well, why don't you start seeing as it's your place? And Jeremy in his monologue just says, we're letting you castrate yourself as it's your pet. <laughs> and he just said, yeah, you are a dead man walking here. Um, and so Jeremy starts with um, his thoughts on the on the book. And in his monologue, it's sort of playing through his thought process. And he decides that he's going to go with the angle of it being a love story, like the film Love Story. But before he gets the chance to go into too much detail, which I think is just as well for him, Ben cuts him down. And I think that actually saves Jez a lot because I don't think he had anything else to say after, as a love story. I think that was as far as he was going to go. Yeah,
0: I, I completely agree. I think that that's that's all he had. And I think the rest of it, he was just going to make up on the spot, you know, based on nothing. So I think, yeah, Ben is so quick to jump down Jeremy's throat here. But ultimately... He kind of then... Like, Ben's so keen and desperate to put him down because he knows that, you know, Jeremy's seeing this book club as a bit of a, a battle of wits, and Ben clearly thinks the same. So the, the moment he thinks he's got an, a window to embarrass Jez, he goes for the jugular. But ultimately, actually, like you say, it's it works out perfectly for Jeremy because Jeremy doesn't have time to make a fool out of himself, and Ben... Just digs his own grave.
3: Well, as a love story. I'm sorry as a what? A love story? Oh, come on, Jez,
2: This isn't a fucking love story. It's a fucking fuck story. It's about animal lusts and earth and
1: dirt and fluids, not love, art, companionship, all that rubbish. Oh it's it's awful. It's Ben is just awful. And Jeremy in his monologue just says, I hate you. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And so Mark, who hasn't actually quite left yet, he's sort of hovering in the hallway with Dobby and he overhears Ben and going off on one on this ridiculous speech. And clearly, you know, Mark had done his his research and as he said to Jeremy, he would read um, some online critiques of the book and he's recognised some of the words verbatim that Ben's spouting And I think that's all Mark needs to hear. Like, Jeremy's been telling Mark how much of a shit Ben is for weeks now. And Mark's like, yeah, okay. Like, he almost can't help but, like, go to battle. And uh, before you know it, the, the grubby dealer's back on.
1: Yeah, and he does it in an incredible way. And he just waits for Ben to get to the end of a sentence. And then. Wuthering Heights is so obviously an exploration of, you know.
2: Wild elemental forces for Jeremy's right. He's a not. shit. Can we go I in for five know. minutes, An ode to dark passions and a kind of savage, savage rhapsody? rhapsody. Sorry, Ben, very easily done. But I think you might accidentally be giving opinions from quite a well-known online essay on Wuthering Heights as your own. Fuck you, Mark's going into bat for me. I have not understood the book at all. Wuthering Heights isn't a hymn to lust and passion. And and he's really good at this. Unlike any game actually involving a bat. nonsense is, and how it inevitably has to give way to real life and real love.
1: Fair play to Mark. You've done what you've been asked to do by Jez, not maybe in the way that we intended for it to happen, but Mark hates people who pretend to be something they're not or fake being intellectual when they're clearly not, and... This is just his opportunity to come in and strike somebody down for pretending to be,
0: to know what they're talking about. I think he only would have gone in this strongly because Dobby has given him, like, the, has reassured him that everything is good with them. And I think that's pepped him up and he's got that fire in his belly just at the right time. And he's got the confidence to be like, actually, yeah, you're a shit, Ben. And I'm going to make you look like a complete fool in front of everyone. Because Mark doesn't tend to do that sort of direct, other than with Jeremy, he doesn't tend to like handle like direct conflict that well. And Ben, you know, to Mark is a stranger. I don't think they've ever met. So for him to, you know, give him both barrels was, um, was, I was quite proud of Mark.
1: Yeah. And Mark says actually before they go back into this scene, Mark says to Dobby, Jeremy's right, he is a shit. Like, he realises, yes, he's got fire in his belly from um, Dobby saying that he hasn't got anything to worry about with Simon, but also he's getting wound up by a guy that, you're right, he knows is getting under Jeremy's skin. Although part of the reason he's getting under Jeremy's skin is because he's not allowing jeremy to sleep with his girlfriend which isn't exactly the moral dilemma that mark would appreciate
0: no no absolutely not but yeah ultimately mark's done the business and uh and ben ben just storms off doesn't he he he, he calls him a bunch of fucking seeds and um yeah totally humiliated he uh, he heads for the exit
1: yeah, and they automatically go straight to a break, and you just think like Zara says, "Oh, should we cool off? We'll put our big hot brains on ice for five. You're like you've just started. <laughs> that was the first. That was the first part of the book grief and you're already, and it wasn't that like tempestuous. That brief interaction between Mark and and Ben that they need to have a break.
0: No, I guess it's probably just the fact that Zara Zara probably feels embarrassed as well because ultimately Ben is her boyfriend, and it's his first time, or so we so we think this is ben's first appearance at the, the the book club and he's kind of embarrassed her as well as himself here but um yeah mark very much is the hero of the moment zara is very impressed by mark she refers to him as a, an intellectual like tony parsons or something which we, we talked about earlier um and you know reigning victorious mark kind of heads he's gonna go off to dobby's and um for, for what Ben w- wouldn't call a long game of Scrabble, I'm guessing. He's uh, he's going to get his rewards and, and patch things up with Dobby properly.
1: But makes it very clear that um, he won't be needing Kenneth anymore.
0: Yeah, this is one of my favourite endings ever in Peep Show, this exchange. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Sorry, Jess, I'm just off to Dobby's, and I don't think I'll be needing to be
2: friends with Kenneth anymore. OK. Do you think Kenneth might have been made redundant?
3: Indeed. I, I think Kenneth... Can take a hike <laughs> <coughs> <clears throat> Kenneth is what Mark calls his nine inch dildo
1: and just the look on their faces is incredible yeah
0: you just see that woman just like slightly to the left of Jeremy who's standing there like has no idea what he's really just done Mark has just left like completely oblivious that Jez has just dropped this bomb <laughs> like in a room re- of essentially strangers it's just Zara and then a room full of people we've never met and they must have just like, what the hell? <laughs> like, who is this guy who's dropping knowledge bombs but also brandishing a nine-inch dildo?
1: And on that happy note, that is the end of the episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and like um what some of our listeners pointed out, it's it's another happy ending. And, you know, it's funny, we spoke about the series seven opener being a rare happy ending, but for Mark at least, this series has been nothing but happy endings because he had the birth of the baby. And then last episode he defeated Gerard and sort of uh, hooks up with Dobby, and then here we go. He's he defeats Ben after a little hiccup with Dobby, but he's patched things up. It's all looking pretty good in in Peep Show right now, particularly for for Mark, and it's it's really refreshing. But it's still great, which I think we talk a lot about how Peep Show works. You know, at, at its core, it's filled with like the disappointments and things. But this goes to show that you know it doesn't all have to be quite so. it doesn't always have to finish on a downer to be good.
1: Well, it's all about to go tits up in the next episode, so don't get too ahead of yourself yet, Tom. (laughs) Well,
0: actually, that's very true. Like, the second half of this series, it does all go pretty peak tongue, doesn't it? But at the moment, we're riding high, which is great. Fancy a punt on the quizzy? Shit a bit of data out of that bunged-up brain box. I'll do the buttons. Do the answers. Right shall we head into the quiz it's my turn
1: and i've heard that you've uh narrowed down some of your questions for our listeners tom greeted me this evening with saying that he'd written a 14 question quiz which we decided <laughs> might be a bit excessive
0: yes yeah, so I, I mean I, i've whittled it down not by too much i've got it down to the 10 which seems to be our new normal now um but are you ready to dive in
1: i'm feeling i've been trying to sort of telegraph what questions might come up for this one and i'm I'm not too confident, to be honest.
0: There was a lot of material in this episode, I have to say, so it was quite quite good to make a quiz around. So I've tried to be a little bit left field, but I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll have predicted some of these. So let's get started. So, number one, if you were listening carefully, where is the hotel that Mark wants to take Dobby? It's Hertfordshire? Herefordshire. It's Hereford, yep. Yeah. Take that. Yeah. Number two. How much is the fluffy duster that <clears throat> Mark scammed into buying?
1: Eleven pounds.
0: Very good. Correct. What things do Jeremy and Zara apparently have in common? There are four.
1: Do I need all of these for one point?
0: Uh, yeah. Go on. I'll. Uh, let's go for three out of four. I'll. I'll... Okay. French film. A uh, foreign film, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that, yeah.
1: Yeah, the statue things in, um, the silver statue things.
0: Yeah, people who pretend to be statues in Covent Garden.
1: Um, uh, something to do with literature.
0: Uh, well, that's the one that Jeremy adds at the end. That's not on my list of four. So I guess technically there's five if you count that.
1: I'm struggling for the other two. No, I can't um, think. There's gotta be something there'll be something to do with um an artist or some music, but I just can't.
0: Well, know, I'll give things. you a half point for two out of four. The other two were fringe theatre and contemporary dance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So up next, uh who does Mark think has thrown the average sex duration time like out of whack? Oh, Sting. Correct. And also while discussing sex and how Jeremy likes it in the bum, what nickname does Mark give him? Oh, he says you're like
1: the Copernicus of the anus.
0: Very good. Um, Up next, what does Mark compare Kenneth to? Um...
1: What does Mark compare Kenneth
0: to? Uh, mm, no, I don't know. A leg of lamb. <laughs> oh,
1: my God. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs>
0: um, and then this is an observational one. But in this episode, we find out what Ben's company is called. Did you spot it? No, I didn't. Uh, so when we head to the office at one point, the the scene is set just outside and we see a sign And it's uh, create, but with an eight, like creative music merchandise. And of course, we know that Ben is cut me and I bleed merch. So um, it seems to be more about, yeah, the merch than actually the music, which is quite interesting. Um, Up next, besides um, fear itself, what other things does Mark think we should all be afraid of? There are one, two, three, four, five. So let's see if he can get three of them.
1: Okay, I'll work backwards. Plus all, all of that, plus you're drowning.
0: Yeah, that's one.
1: The media mistakenly outing you as a pedo.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Um, And there are two more, yeah? Or three more? Yeah, uh,
0: there are three more.
1: All of that, plus you're drowning. Um, being set on fire?
0: No. No, I can't think of what the other two are. They are losing all of your money, shitting yourself in public, the tabloid press mistakenly outing you as a pedo, Alzheimer's and drowning. Oh, God, I should have got
1: the shitting yourself in public one.
0: (laughs) Um, And then penultimate question. uh, What's the name of Jeremy's made-up book? Baseball Man. Baseball Man, correct. And then finally... Um, I actually made a mistake earlier at the top when I said uh, Jeremy had only ever read one book, but Jeremy does uh, give us another one. So other than Mr. Nice, what's the only other book Jeremy claims to have read? Um...
1: That's a hard one. Um... I'll be very impressed
0: if you get this. Oh, no it's not the road is it (laughs) no (laughs) no he's only watched the film of the road oh
1: yeah um no i don't think i know it
0: no i would have been very impressed if you had it was the bunny suicides
1: oh yes of course yeah yeah
0: you did okay
1: started quite
0: strongly but then it it fell away a bit towards the end but not not too bad i thought that was quite a tough quiz in fairness I, i was a little bit mean but that, that and like episode you said, so there's a rich. lot of
1: content.
0: Yeah, they, I was spoiled for choice. Like I said, I had to whittle it down, cut it down a lot. But um, there we go. Not, not a bad performance. And uh, that wraps us up for episode three of series seven then. So thank you very much, everyone, for joining us as always. If you've enjoyed the show, please do take a moment, leave a review, subscribe if you haven't, you know, particularly, you know, if you're a late or if you've been listening since the beginning and you still haven't left us a review yet like what are you waiting for like it really does help us out helps the show with the the rankings and the itunes charts um so please do take the time if you haven't already
1: and we're just short of our um 200 reviews now we're on 196 reviews on itunes so it would be great to to reach the magic 200
0: yes it absolutely would yes if you can get us over the line that, that would be really great um so join us next week for episode four of series seven, which is called the nether zone. And I know this is one that you've been looking forward to Rob. Um, and it's the baby Ian's christening. Uh, not that Mark's going to make it, but we're going to have a hell of a lot of fun uh, <laughs> watching him try. Um, how can people get in touch with us, Rob?
1: Yes. Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook just by searching for podcast secrets of the Pharaohs on twitter at podcast pharaohs instagram at podcast secrets of the pharaohs and on email you can find us just by emailing podcast secrets of the pharaohs at gmail.com and i'm not sure whether we shouted out our patreon at the beginning of the episode when we shouted out our patrons but if you wanted to join us on patreon it is patreon.com forward slash podcast pharaohs
0: Absolutely, and yeah, as always, if you're interested in joining that, I will leave a link in the description down below. So do check that out if you're interested. But I, th- I think that pretty much wraps us up. Any- anything final to add, Rob? No,
1: like I said, I think it's just an another good episode. We've got another cracking, like you said. I'd probably put Netherzone in in my top easily in my top ten of all of the Peep Show episodes. But I think Netherzone, and then seasonal beatings are probably possibly, seasonal beatings are probably getting my top five so the next three episodes we've got after this are absolutely like top draw peep show stuff, I'm buzzing to get these three done in the run up to Christmas, we've got a lot of fun as we're
0: recording these Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and yeah, we're arriving we're going to be at Christmas soon so hopefully that's all going to align I'm really looking forward to doing a Christmas episode at Christmas so um, yeah, look forward to that everyone So there we have it. Thank you very much for listening as always, everyone. And thank you, of course, for joining me, Rob.
1: I'm not a prostitute. Now, please get out of my bed.